morning. For this month of June, we are talking about those, those fruits that we bear as individuals, that we bear together as a church, that demonstrate that we are healthy. Because healthy believers bear fruit. Healthy plants bear fruit. And this morning, we're talking about spiritual growth. And I was thinking about, thinking about my garden this past week. Um, this is the first year in probably 15 years that I don't have a garden because I love to garden. And many of you are gardeners here too. I love just the process of, of putting that seed in the ground, of watering that seed, of tending that plant, of protecting it from the rabbits and the deer that come and, and finally growing and harvesting the fruit that comes with it, right? My kids get so sick every year of eating beans at the table and hearing me say, I can't believe these beans 30 minutes ago were growing on the plant and now we're eating them. You know, it's, it's just so fun to bear that harvest and have that fruit. I learned that gardening from my dad. Um, back in Muskegon in his sandy soil, he always had a huge garden in the back. And he grew the normal things like, like beans and cucumbers and peppers. But his pride and joy were his tomato plants. Now catch that, it wasn't the tomatoes, it was the plants that were his pride and joy. His goal every year was to have the tallest tomato plants in the county. I have no idea why that became his goal, but we have a picture of him standing on the top rung of a six-foot ladder, reaching up to pick a tomato that was probably 10 to 12 feet from the ground. That, was, that just made him happy <laughs> to grow tall tomato plants. Now, any of you who are gardeners, know that we, unless you're a flower gardener, you don't garden just for the plants. You garden for the harvest. You garden for the tomatoes, for the beans, for the cucumbers, for the corn, for whatever it is that you then get to eat and enjoy, right? Well, that's the image that Paul gives us, this planting, growing, and then harvesting image, that helps us understand what spiritual growth looks like and is all about. Take out your Bibles. Turn with me to, to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1, page 953. 953 in the Bibles you have in front of you. Here, Paul is writing this letter to, to a bunch of new believers, new young Christians whom he had never, be, never even met before. You see, just previous, a young man by the name of Epaphras had been listening to Paul preach when he was in the city of Ephesus. And Epaphras took the truth that he believed from Paul back home to him to Colossae. And he began a church in his home. And now Paul is writing to these brand new believers who are being led by Epaphras in order to get them to continue on in their maturity in Christ, to keep growing spiritually. And listen to how he starts his letter, verses 1 through 14 of Colossians chapter 1. Paul writes this. He says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossa, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard 
in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit, there's this first allusion to it, is bearing fruit and growing through the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So, so here we, we can hear Paul urging these new believers to keep on growing. They've accepted Jesus. They know him. And now they must not simply be satisfied to just receive that message of grace. But to use that reception as just the start, just the beginning of a lifetime now of continued spiritual growth. This continued spiritual growth, like the vibrant worship that we just talked about last week, is the fruit. The fruit that, that a healthy spiritual believer in Jesus Christ, that a healthy community of Jesus Christ will grow. This good news of Jesus Christ, which they have now received, it's an active, it's a growing, it's a producing thing. I mean, look at the verbs that Paul uses in verse 6. Right, just in that verse, it says the gospel comes, and the gospel grows, and the gospel bears fruit. None of these verbs that are attached to the, to the gospel, the truth of Jesus Christ that we have received, none of these are passive. None of them are stagnant. None of them are still. The good news of Jesus comes to us. We receive it, and then it moves. Then it does things. Then it makes a difference. Right? To illustrate that, Paul brings us into a garden. He gives us this picture of a garden where the gardener, he starts with, with a seed that he puts in the dirt, and he places that seed in the ground, and then and then. He waters that seed and he tends that seed until a little plant begins to grow. And then he nurtures that plant and, and he helps it to grow and he protects it until finally the harvest comes and, and he can bring that fruit in. And for him to stop at any step along the way in that process would simply be foolish. Right? The farmer can't just leave after planting the seed and say, there, my job is done. Forget about it. The work has just started, and, and, and he can't be satisfied just to have a nice green plant. 
He needs the fruit. And, and once the fruit comes, he can't just stand back and admire the fruit on his tree. He's got to harvest it. He's got to bring it in. And it's the same process in the garden that God is growing. It's the same process with you and me. God, Paul says that you and I, you and I are the ground. We're the dirt. And that's some good Reformed theology. We're dirt, right? It's not a very pretty image, but it's, but it's correct. We are this, this helpless, worthless, useless on our own. But to that pathetic piece of ground, God comes and he chooses to put his seed in us. He chooses to plant the seed of his gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in you and in me. And and suddenly we who are helpless, we who are useless, we who don't deserve it, who don't choose it, who haven't earned it, suddenly we have become empowered and invaluable because we hold that seed. We become deposits for the greatest gift of all time, the saving gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord. What an honor. What a privilege for you, for me, for us here together. But we can't let that be the end. That would just be foolish. God doesn't stop there, and we can't stop there. This seed of the gospel has been placed within us, Paul says, and now it must grow. And God's Holy Spirit is here today. It's here with you, tending that seed, watering you until that seed begins to grow. And that seed becomes a single shoot, which then continues to grow stronger and taller into this plant as we become more and more mature Christians. And soon, we're tall enough We're strong enough, Paul says, that we are no longer bent and blown by the storms of life, by the doubts that come. Instead, we've matured to the point where we can stand firm, rooted in Jesus Christ, rooted in his truth and his grace. Okay, Paul Paul defines spiritual maturity that makes us strong. He defines it in verse 4 for us. It says, we grow in our spiritual maturity when we grow in two things. When we grow in our faith in Jesus Christ and in our love for each other. Those two things consistently go hand in hand in anyone who is spiritually maturing. Faith and love. Belief and action. Heart and and hands. Maybe you remember when Jesus was being tested by the Pharisees. They were trying to trick him and they tried to get him to summarize the law. Which is the most important law of all? And Jesus summarized the whole law in two things. He said that, that you need to love God with all that you are. And you need to love others as much as you love yourself. There's your whole law. That's what God is growing in his garden. He's cultivating young plants that have branches of faith and love. Faith in God, love for each other. That is evidence to him that his plants are maturing, that his plants are growing strong and healthy. That's what he's looking for in you. 
faith in God, love for each other. But as a good gardener, God's not going to just be satisfied with good-looking plants. They're nice. They're great. But the seed is planted for the purpose of harvest. And a tree that doesn't produce harvest, no matter how nice it looks, is going to be pulled up. It's going to be burned in the fire. Jesus himself said that, right? Jesus said every tree that does not bear good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Matthew chapter 7. The saving truth of Jesus Christ has been planted within you, has been planted within me for the greater purpose of a harvest. God is looking for fruit, the fruit of holy living, the fruit of worship and glorifying God, the fruit of good works and justice, the fruit of bringing his kingdom here down to earth. He's looking for us. He's looking for us through the work of the Spirit also to plant the seed to the gospel all around us, right? He expects us to be reproducing Christians. That's all the fruit that you grow in the garden, all the fruit that you're eating, those tomatoes, those apples. Those are really seed bearers. Those are all the seeds to produce the next generation. That's what God's looking for from us, that we would become seed droppers and seed scatterers for him. He's looking for the fruit. So Paul is telling here these Colossian believers that they cannot simply be satisfied to be a cup of dirt with the seed in it. As wonderful it is to have that seed planted, give thanks to God for that, that's not the end. And they can't be, be satisfied simply, simply to be a tree with nice green branches of faith in God and love for each other. That's great. That is wonderful. We're thankful for that. But that's not all. The good news of salvation in Jesus, placed in you, placed in me, is an active truth that demands change, demands growth, and will bear fruit. Because you and I, you and I are the garden of God, planted in this plot called Ivan Rest Church. And we're not just a hobby for him. I'm a hobby farmer, a hobby gardener. This is not God's hobby. This is God's top priority, growing you, growing me, growing this community, growing this plot of ground called Ivan Rest Church. This is what God cares passionately about. And he's come here to plant us and to tend us and protect us and to make sure that, that we're planted in just the right time and just the right place so that we will get exactly what we need in order to produce fruit. He gives us everything we need to be productive in his kingdom purposes. And what is it exactly that we need? What is that everything he gives us that we need to grow and be productive? What makes the gospel, the seed of the gospel, grow within us? Well, in verse 9, Paul tells us what those two things are that we need to be healthy and to grow. Paul prays that God might fill the Colossians and might fill us with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. There it is. We need to have the knowledge about God if we're going to live and grow in him. And then we also need the wisdom 
to know how to apply that knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom, they've got to go hand in hand. Right? Many of us, many of us here have spent years of our lives gaining more and more knowledge. Right? When they handed you that diploma from high school, from college, from graduate school, you receive power because of what you know, right? Suddenly, when you fill out that job application, you can mark, yes, I have a diploma. And, and you can hang that diploma on your wall, and, and people believe it. People trust you because of it, right? When I go to my mechanic, when I go to my dentist, when I go to my doctor, most often they have that diploma hanging on that wall, and I figure I can trust them. I can trust them to fix my car. I can trust them to fix my teeth. I can trust them to fix my broken arm because they have the knowledge. There's a piece of paper. But it's been proven again and again and again that it takes more than just knowledge to gain respect. It takes more than just knowledge to access power correctly and to succeed in life. Right? Maybe many of you Maybe you remember a man named Ted Kaczynski. Maybe you know him better by, by the name the Unabomber, right? This man who, who mailed bombs all across the West Coast for years until they finally caught him. Ted Kaczynski had more academic degrees than I'll ever have. He's smart. He has more knowledge in his brain than I will ever have. All sorts of knowledge, mathematically, politically, linguistically, but he was missing something really important. He was missing the wisdom to go with it, right? You can have all the knowledge in the world, but without wisdom, it's useless or maybe even dangerous, right? So compare, compare the knowledge of Ted Kaczynski to the wisdom of someone like Mother Teresa, who had little formal education, but through her wisdom, taking the knowledge that she had and applying it wisely, she ended up receiving the Congressional Medal of Honor. She ended up winning the Nobel Peace Prize. I think about people like my grandpa. My grandpa who, who always regretted that he never was able to, to go beyond junior high education before he had to go to the farm and work. And yet I think he taught more to his children and his grandchildren than any professor that they listened to in college ever did. Because he had the wisdom that took that knowledge he had and applied it to life, applied it to God, applied it to spiritual things. It's that wisdom that turns knowledge, no matter how little we have or how much we have, into something powerful and useful. And in God's garden, Paul says, we need both the spiritual knowledge and the spiritual wisdom to go with it. We need that knowledge. We need to know God and, and the truths of his word. We need to, need to know the facts about who God is, right? We need to know that he's the God who created us and who loves us enough that he didn't turn his back on us when, 
when we turned our backs on him. We need to know that he's the God who chose a special people and freed them from slavery in Egypt and parted the Red Sea and brought them through the desert into the promised land. And we need to know that, that he's the God who gave strength to Samson and wisdom to Solomon and insight to Samuel and victory to David. And we need to know that he's the God who rained fire down on the top of Mount Carmel for Elijah. And he's the God who closed the mouth of the lions for Daniel. We need to know that he's the God who sent his only son, Jesus, who lived for us, who taught and healed and died and rose again from the dead for us. We need to know that he's the God who's going to come again and make all things right and reign forever in all times. We need to know our God. We need to know Jesus Christ. We need to know the Holy Spirit. We need to know what God says to us, what he commands us, what he promises us. We need to grow in knowledge by studying him, by, by opening this book and, and sitting at the feet of the greatest teacher of all time. We need to have that knowledge. But then we need to have the wisdom that brings that knowledge to life. Right? So, so we not only know that God created us, but then we give him every part of our lives as our creator because as our creator, he knows how we're supposed to be how we're supposed to live, how life is supposed to work. And we not only know that God loves us, but we let that love shape our lives and we, we rest in that love and we trust in that love. And we not only know that God protects his chosen people as we read that, those stories all throughout the scripture, we not only know that, but we believe it. And we put our trust in him. And we trust that he actually will protect you and me as we journey through life. That he will never let us go. And that gives us confidence and boldness to take deep steps for him. Courageous steps for him. That's wisdom that goes with the knowledge. Wisdom is being able to take the knowledge that we have in our heads and make it real in our lives. So we know it and we live it. Right? We, we study it and we apply it. That's how spiritual growth and spiritual maturity happens in you, in me, in us together when we're doing those things. That's how we grow from being a tiny seed to being a stalk, to being a tree, blossoming in the grace of God. So apply this to your own life for a moment here. Where are you in that growing process? Because my guess is some of us here have just received the seed. <laughs> we're, we're the plot of dirt where God has just put the seed of his gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of his salvation in you, and you have a lot of growing to do. For some of us here, the seed has sprouted. Maybe we're just a, a little tiny stalk poking above the ground. Or maybe we're a great big tree with a strong trunk. But we're a stalk, a tree, and, and the fruit hasn't come yet. But we're, but we're given shade. Still others of us here, as we look at your own life, you can say, yes, I'm bearing fruit. I can see the fruit. I can see the fruit that God is growing in my life. And still others, I'd say, I used to, are probably thinking, I used to bear fruit, but I think my fruit-bearing days are done. Where are you 
in your spiritual growth, in your spiritual maturity process? And what are the evidences that you see in your life that confirm that? How do you know? How do you, some of you, I don't know. How do you know if you're growing spiritually? Well, Paul tells us in this passage what you will see if you are in the process of spiritually growing up. He tells us what the whole world will see in you. He gives us, in verses 10 and 11, four visible evidences of our spiritual health. As we quickly wrap up by, by taking a glance at these four things, four evidences of this fruit growing in you. Look at your own life as we read these. Do you see these in you? Is this happening in your life? First of all, as we grow in spiritual knowledge and wisdom, he says in verse 10 that we will bear fruit in every good work. We will have good works that just come out of us. That will be the fruit of a, of a healthy, maturing, growing Christian. Good works. Our lives will display the fruits of the Spirit. It's not a coincidence that Jesus called them the fruit of the Spirit. It's what we grow. It's what is shown in us. Good works through love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Everyone will see those things growing in you. you know, I, don't think, I don't think James could have made it much more clear than he did when he wrote, What good is it, my brothers and sisters? If someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, has no fruit to show, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead, he said. Your spiritual health will show in your life action. You won't be able to hide it. People will see God in the things you do. People will hear God in the words that you say. People will know God more because they know you. As we grow spiritually, good works will naturally pour out of us as we bear the fruit of the Spirit. Secondly, secondly, he says, the fruit that you'll see is that, is that we will grow in the knowledge of God. Right? There, there is so much more depth of God that we can know. If you think you know him, you've only just begun. To, for us to, to keep digging in and to know the the full extent of his love and the force of his power and the tenderness of his mercy and the depths of his grace, the brilliance of his beauty, the fullness of his wisdom, so much beyond what we think we know. I hope you're never satisfied to say, there, I'm done. I know enough about God. I hope you're never satisfied because that would mean you stop growing. And once you stop maturing, once you stop growing, then you start dying. A spiritual life that is alive and growing has a passion for godly knowledge, for knowing more and more of this God who loves us so much. Thirdly, as we grow spiritually, we will be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. We will be strengthened with all power. Right? By knowing God and then having the wisdom to let him control our lives, we will have access to his glorious strength that will then carry us through the challenges of our lives. 
will carry us through the good times of our lives. We will find strength in him. We will find strength in knowing that God will never leave us or forsake us. We will find strength in knowing that his love for us will never let us go. We will find strength in knowing that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And we will know those things, and then our wisdom will will take that knowledge and will transform us and will apply it to our lives and will, will give us strength when before we only felt hopelessness and despair. The knowledge and the wisdom of who God is will give us the patient endurance that we need to stand strong through the storms of life. We will find strength. That's the fruit that we will bear. Finally, the final evidence of our maturing and growing life in God is that Paul says, we will joyfully give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of the light. We will joyfully give thanks. Right? As we grow in the knowledge of who God is, as we grow in the knowledge of all that God has done for us, the enormity of his grace, the awesomeness of his sacrifice, the full extent of his love for you, how can there be any other response other than gratitude. Spiritual lives that are growing in God's garden can't help but overflow in joyful thanksgiving because they realize what God's done for them. So when you see those things, What do you see in your own life? If you were to use that as a checklist for how you live your day, not just on Sunday, how do you live your day at home, at work, when you're surrounded by people, when you're all alone? Are you growing in him? How are you specifically growing? I trust that God has planted the seed of the gospel in your heart and in your life. Is that seed growing? I would guess that many of us have the knowledge. Many of us here have grown up in Christian families. We've heard the Bible stories again and again and again. We know them by heart. We've got the knowledge. But do we have the wisdom? And do we have the passion that comes with that wisdom to take that knowledge and apply it to our lives? to recognize the full depth of who God is and what he's done. Rekindle that passion, not just to know about God, but to truly know God. Gain the wisdom that takes this knowledge from our head and brings it to our hearts and brings it to our lives and make sure that if you stop, make sure you start growing again. Grow in good works. Grow in godly knowledge. Grow in strength of walking and living in him. Grow in joy-filled gratitude to God who has planted this seed of his grace and salvation in your life and now is lovingly, tenderly nurturing you, watering you, growing you so that you might be a prized tree in his garden so that we 
as Ivanrath's church might be a prized plot of ground, might be an orchard for him, bearing fruit, giving him a marvelous harvest. Let's pray for that together. Oh, Father God, thank you for being our gardener, for being our God who plants the seed in us, waters us, tends us, protects us, grows us by your grace, and then celebrates us when the fruit comes in its harvest time. What an amazing grace you show from that very first step of planting the seed of your love and salvation within each one of us. For those of us who have been satisfied to just be a seed underground, or for those of us who have been satisfied to simply be a tree providing shade, please awaken in us and kindle in us a passion to bear fruit for you, to see our lives being productive for you, not for our glory, but for yours. Not because we have to, but because we want to. Because that's our purpose. It's what we're created for. And that's what brings us joy. And that's what brings us fullness. I thank you for Ivan Rest Church, for the fruit that you have grown in this plot of your garden, for the lives that you changed and are changing, for the hearts you transform and are transforming, for the growth that you tended and are tending. And I thank you for every single tree and plant in this garden. Nurture every single one of us, Father. Make us willing to be tended and pruned and grown. And then celebrate. Help us to celebrate when the harvest is seen. May you grow your fruit in each one of us, Father. And may the whole world around us see that fruit in us and see you in us. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.